0: and various studies throughout the week. Please come and join us next time you are in Oklahoma City. We would love to have you. And now, we hope you enjoyed today's message.
1: I want to share some thoughts with you today that a bit they are a little different than what I usually share. And I'll explain as we go forward here and i think that we as we live in this 21st century society that we live in we're watching technology develop how many you notice technology's really taken off in a lot of ways and I don't think we're on the cutting edge here in Oklahoma. Uh, if you visit Israel, you realize, and I did many years ago, that Israel was way out there as far as technology, technological advances. And if you, uh, if you think about it, there's a good side to that and probably uh, another side to that. Yet, as we gather here this Shabbat morning appreciating the Shabbat, thankful for the Shabbat. By the way, let me ask you, how many are glad it's Shabbat today? For many of us, it's uh, time off of work and uh, our school or whatever our endeavors are during the week, this day's different than all the other days uh, by the Lord's decree, not because somebody decided here on the face of the earth it was gonna be that way, but the Lord from the eternal one decided that. And we see... um, as we think of the Shabbat, this seventh day, it's called called Yom HaShvi'i, the seventh day. It's called the Shabbat, the Sabbath day. As we we, uh, think about that, we realize that the Sabbath is a period of time. In Jewish custom and tradition, it's a little more than 24 hours. There's this idea of uh, making sure we don't Desecrate the Shabbat by working on it, so there's a, a little bit of a cushion put in the time frame of the Sabbath, so it comes out to more than 24 hours just to be cautious as to not to desecrate the Sabbath. But the subject of time, T-I-M-E, time, and related topics to time, that subject, time, is a major topic Or a major theme of the arts. It's a major theme of photography. A major theme of music. A major theme of literature. And you guessed it, it is a major theme of scripture, the Bible. Time, time. For example, how many of you have seen time-lapse photography? To me, that's amazing stuff. Where a, a, a camera is trained upon a rosebud, and over the course of time, you watch this, this rosebud open up. And what you originally saw when the camera started rolling, and what you see at the end, are two different things, although it's the same uh, particular thing, which is the, the rosebud. Paintings. Paintings involve time oftentimes there are paintings that are paintings of particular seasons. I know in the summertime, I like to look at <laughs> paintings that are about the winter time. And in the winter time, I like to look at paintings that uh, the, the, the topic, the subject of the painting might be summer. I mean, it's kind of nice to see palm trees when it's five degrees outside. And it's nice to see a cold winter stream when it's what? Hot outside. Those type of things. Novels that speak of times, you know, the best of times and the worst of times. Novels and songs that tell us time is on our side and tell us that yesterday all our troubles were so far away. Songs like that. And I know I aged myself and dated myself, but some of you actually know what I'm talking about as I quoted from two very popular songs of yesteryear, again, Time. Each of these topics, such as photography and paintings and novels and songs, they speak of time, they're connected to time in some way, sometimes more directly than others. And as I mentioned, the Bible speaks a lot about time. Too much for us to go into thoroughly today. But remember this passage in Kohelet in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1 says, To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. That's just one small example of the many references to time and seasons that we find in Scripture. Going all the way back to the creation. Day one, day two, day three, and then Shabbat, all the way back there. And the Lord himself is called the eternal one, which is an idea concerning time, eternity. He's called the eternal one. He's also called the ancient of days. I get comfort from that as I get older. You know, he's the ancient of days. In our lives, the life you're living, the life I'm living covers a time frame. There's time involved. Yesterday is past for you in your life. Today is now. Hayom today. Ze Hayom Masadonai. This is the day the Lord has made. Nagilava Nismehaba. We will be glad and will rejoice in it. Ze Hayom, this is the day. And that speaks of time. And there are many passages in Psalms that speak of time. For example, Psalm 90, verse 10 says this. The days of our lives are 70 years, and if by reason of strength they are 80 years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off, they, and we fly away. When I hear that song, we fly, that, that, that word will fly away, that translation of the Hebrew word, and we fly away, it reminds me of a, of a, a hymn. I'll fly away, O oh glory. How many of you know that one? And it also reminds me of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8, where it says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But this very same psalm, Psalm 90, verse 10, then when we get to Psalm 90, verse 12, there's this plea found in Psalm 90, verse 12. It says, Limnot yamenu. Translated, teach us to number our days, that we may gain a levav chokhmah, a heart of wisdom. Number our days, teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. There, the idea of days and being numbered, the numbering of days. And this very principle of using time wisely was well known to the apostles, they spoke at it, of it often. For example, Rob Shaul wrote in Ephesians chapter 5, beginning with verse 15. He says, see then that you walk circumspectly, being aware of what's going on around you. See that you conduct yourself in that manner, aware of what's going on around you. See then that you walk circumspectly. And the very next statement is, not as fools, but as Wise. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. And then verse 16, repeated often, and a very good word for us here in this 21st century America, redeeming the time because the days are evil. There the word time is mentioned, there the word days is mentioned redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, again, verse 17, Ephesians chapter 5 says, therefore do not be unwise. Do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, friends here this morning... Every one of us, except in the most extreme circumstances, every one of us has what could be called in our lives, we have discretionary time. Discretionary time. Discretionary time is time that can be spent doing something other than providing for our own needs. We have discretionary time. For most, it's more or less we have a a 40-hour work week, give or take. Some do 60, some do 30. But there's this time frame where we work. And then after that time frame, we have discretionary time. And for some, that means staying up all night. (laughs) Others, that means sleeping as soon as you get home from work. But it's discretionary time where you have the discretion. It's under your discretion as to how you use time. It's called discretionary time. That time which is beyond just providing for ourselves. That extra time that we have built into our week, built into our calendar, where we're not committed to you know, provision for ourselves or in some cases for others. Now, we may spend our discretionary time, and think a moment, how do you spend your discretionary time? But we may spend our discretionary time doing things like relaxing or enjoying a nice cup of tea or coffee. Maybe if you have children, playing with your children or if you have pets playing with your pets maybe your discretionary time is spent watching television or video gaming or listening to music or cooking there's some and some of the guys here will see tomorrow morning perhaps at breakfast time Some will experiment on the men's group tomorrow with their cooking (laughs) and bring their food tomorrow and will enjoy that. But cooking may be a way you like to use your discretionary time or traveling, playing sports. I mean, the list goes on and on. And I, I have to mention these other aspects. Using your discretionary time to study God's word. Using your discretionary time for prayer, using your discretionary time for fellowshipping with other believers, using your discretionary time to gather for worship together, like we are doing here on this Shabbat. Discretionary time. And with all the possible ways to spend our discretionary free time, there's so many possible ways we can. Some like to tinker with cars and others like to do something with wood and all the different ways that we do. Calligraphy, all different things. We would expect that using discretionary time to sow spiritual seeds with prayer or through prayer with worship or study and fellowship, that would be a sure thing for a believer that that's how we would want to use our discretionary time, sowing in that direction. Using our discretionary time for things like prayer and study and, and fellowship, those type of things. And of course, and please check out a little bit of facetiousness here, but of course we spend our discretionary time sowing spiritual seeds of devotion and worship. And of course, we attend worship services and Bible studies and prayer meetings every chance we get, thus redeeming our discretionary time for kingdom purposes. Of course we do that. Or do we? Is that what we do with our time? When I recently read the following statistic... I had some kind of a reaction to this statistic, and I want to share it with you. I read this, this statistic, and I, and I could barely stop from breaking down weeping as I read this statistic. It's from a preacher's forum, and according to recent statistics with preaching today as the, the, the forum, they came up with this statistic the average American spends nine minutes per day on spiritual matters. Nine minutes per day on spiritual matters, such as reading the word. Some of the things I listed just a moment ago, reading the word, worship, praise, prayer, fellowship with other believers, studying nine minutes a day statistically. Well, when you start doing the math on that, nine minutes a day, seven days a week, and do the math, you come up with about 63 minutes a week. That 63 minutes equals the average length of a Sunday worship service. Some are longer, some are shorter, but the average is about an hour. I have pastor friends that they, they can't speak. They have to finish in one hour. It's frustrating for them. And their, their venue, where they're preaching at, where they're teaching at, where they're involved, they have to, when it, when it gets noon time, one pastor actually has part of the congregation leaves at noon because they wanna be the first one at the restaurant. They don't wanna wait. I don't say that to put those people down, but what I just said to you was actually recounted to me by a pastor friend of mine. Nine minutes per day, when I read that statistic from a reputable source, I wanted to weep. What about you and me? How much do we spend in spiritual? Our discretionary time is spent sowing into spiritual things. And this is a good part of what I want to share with you today. Because such data, nine minutes per day, devoted to spiritual things, really caused me to wonder something. I began to wonder, well, if just nine minutes per day statistically is spent sowing into spiritual things, and that's an average because actually there's a whole group of people that spend zero minutes per day on spiritual things. And there are others that spend more than nine minutes, but the average came to nine minutes. When I think, I began to wonder, well, if only nine minutes a day are spent sowing into spiritual things, what then are we spending our time on? What about the other discretionary minutes? What are we doing with those things, with that time frame? What do we do with our discretionary time? Well, the answers that I came up with may or may not surprise you, depends. Because in our capitalistic world that we live in, many companies, and I mean many businesses, companies, they have conducted surveys to figure out what do Americans do and others with discretionary time. After all, if you can tap into that discretionary time with a product, you can make some big kessive, some lots of shekels, lots of money, lots of dollars, lots of moolah, lots of dinero, lots of pesos, however you want to say it. These companies realize, wow, we need to study discretionary time and see what are, what are Americans doing with their discretionary time and get a product in there. sell it for example they realized if we are spending our discretionary time attending sporting events and many people do these companies realized as they did their statistics as they did their study as they went through the process with their production trying to figure out how to tap into that money source that if a person's attending sporting events, that that person will likely spend some discretionary funds because there's discretionary time and there are discretionary funds. Funds that go beyond just paying for the light bills and the gas bills and the fuel for the car. But if you're attending sporting events, that's part of how you're using your discretionary time. These companies realize if a person's attending a sporting event, that they're going to purchase memorabilia. When they go to that event, they're going to purchase food. They're going to have to pay entrance fees. And in some cases, they're going to need to... Pay for transportation to get to the event. This weekend's the Super Bowl, and there will be thousands of people flying to LA for the Super Bowl. And when they get there, they're not just gonna be allowed to walk right in, they're gonna have to pay the entrance fee, they're gonna want food for their kids, it's gonna drag on, etc., for themselves. So if a person's using their discretionary time to attend a sporting event, then they're probably going to spend money connected to that sporting event. Well, what about discretionary time that goes into camping and hiking and stuff? Well, I think you can figure out discretionary time that goes into camping and hiking is going to also involve some money that needs to put out for hiking boots, entrance fees to the place where you're going to hike, if it's a, you know, a, a... pay-to-enter type thing, tents, buying a tent, transportation, special supplies you may need for your hike or for your tenting or your camping. And the businesses realize, hey, if we tap into that, there's a lot to be gained for us in the business. Now, please consider the results of this survey I'm going to share with you. According to data compiled from over 4,000 people in eight nations, the eight nations were China, Germany, India, Indonesia, South Korea, the United Kingdom, the United States, and Vietnam. 4,000 actual participants in this survey. There were 500 from each of the companies, countries that I mentioned. There was eight countries. That equals 4,000. And this survey, the results were published last year by the very reputable website called Tech Republic. They found this out. They found that video gamers spent about eight hours and 27 minutes each week Playing games. Eight hours and 27 minutes each week. Now, I already gave you the statistics of how much statistically they found that the average person spends on spiritual things. Nine minutes a day. But these 4,000 participants in this survey from eight different countries, it balanced out to eight hours and 27 minutes each week playing games. And it goes from there. 25% of those surveyed, or roughly 1,000 respondents, clocked more than 12 hours per week in gaming. About one-third of the respondents said that they play five hours in a row video games. About a third of the respondents said they also will miss showering, eating, and socializing so that they can play those games about one half of the survey respondents said they play video games during work hours. They're playing video games. But that's not all. And please hear me out, because I'm going to bring this to a point. But that's not all. A recent survey that was published by the BBC, the British Broadcasting Company, found that the United Kingdom adults spend an average of 8 hours and 41 minutes a day on media devices. 8 hours and 41 minutes a day. What really got this survey, the, the people that were... Tabulating this data, what really got them was that they also, when they tabulated, they were spending eight hours and 41 minutes a day on media devices, and then they found out in the same survey that the average time spent sleeping among the respondents was less, eight hours and 21 minutes, according to BBC statistics... They're spending more time on media devices than they were even spending time sleeping and renewing themselves day to day. And a survey commissioned by LG Electronics, some of you may be familiar with them, they produce refrigerators and all kinds of appliances. And like I said, they realize, hey, if we can tap into this discretionary time and discretionary funds, we can tap into some big bucks. Now, this is business thinking. LG Electronics found that the average adult will watch will watch 3639 movies at home during their lifetime. 3639 movies at home. They will watch 31507 episodes of TV during their lifespan. And as far as different programs, the average person will watch according to LG Electronics and their specific survey the average person will watch 11,278 different TV programs or series as well during their lifetime. Friends, that's a lot of time. That's a lot of discretionary time spent on something, and what does it profit? I don't know. And additionally, it seems that deciding what to watch is a very common problem among modern families. What do we watch on the television? And they found out that the average family in their survey had two arguments per week simply over what to watch on the television. Two arguments per week. That's the average. Some had more, some had less. And sadly, more than one-half of the survey's participants say their household, their household would struggle to get by with only one television set. The average home, they found, now hosts at least two TV sets in the average home. And they also found out, this is LG Electronics, they're trying to figure out how to sell their appliances, their TVs, their refrigerators, and all the other things they produce. They also found out, that a person, the average family, will discard their TV after six years. The average life in that home is six years for a television. Why? Because of some newfangled product to buy. One that has a little more that you can do on this screen. Six in 10 respondents actually admit they would be lost without the TV set. And the average adult will spend 2,940, listen to this please, the average adult, LG Electronics survey, very professionally done, the average adult will spend 2,943 hours of their life just deciding what to put on the television. Just a decision process. Well, what do we watch tonight? No, let's not watch that, let's watch this. But there's one more elephant in the room that I want to mention here before we get to the points that I want to share with you. There's one more elephant in the room. I want to address this big elephant. <laughs> and for this elephant, there is a superabundance of data to consider. Hard data to consider. So what is this proverbial elephant in the room? You may have guessed it. It's called the cell phone, the cell phone. The statistics that are connected to Americans and cell phones, they're absolutely mind-boggling. According to the latest data, which is at the start of this year, 2022, and with over 1,000 people involved in this survey, this data, all of them over age 18, by the way, with a plus or minus four points or 4% adjustment for the survey, on average, Americans spend two hours and 54 minutes on their phones each day. Just on their phones. Two hours, 54 minutes. The average American will spend nearly a month and a half, 44 days, on their phones they project for 2022, a month and a half on their phones. That's the average. Now, you might say, well, I don't do that with my phone. That's true. Hallelujah for that. But I have also been more than once, in fact, even recently, I noticed this again, in an airport situation where every person around me, no exceptions, was doing this. Every person no exaggeration here and no no exceptions every person was just standing there looking at their phone or sitting there looking at their phone I remember thinking wow if there was an emergency they're all looking at their phone somebody could pass out right there would they notice 45% of Americans say that their phone is their most valuable possession. Now, what is not being mentioned as their most valuable possession? The Bible. Who said it? The Bible. Jonathan. The Bible. 45%, that's almost 50% of Americans in this crafty survey that was done said their most valuable possession is their cell phone. It's not their Bible. It's not their house or their car. It's the cell phone. Over one-third of Americans, 36% say they'd give up their pets to keep their cell phone. If they had to choose between their pet and their cell phone, they'd give up the pet who's been a family member for X number of years, but not that cell phone. 53%, say that in a house fire or other disaster (laughs) in a house fire or other disaster their cell phone would be the number one possession they tried to get out of the house. I don't even want to think about that. Twenty-five percent twenty-six percent say they've endangered themselves to avoid losing or damaging their cell phone. They've endangered themselves. On average We check, we Americans check our phones every four minutes. 47% of Americans admit they are addicted to their phone. It's an addiction. Over one half of Americans have never gone more than 24 hours without their cell phones. 61% of us have texted someone in the same room as we are in. We've texted them and i recently saw that and i was baffled 61% not 50% not 51 61% of us have texted someone and we're in the same room with them 64% of us use our phones on the toilet also 64% i don't even want to go there <laughs> And statistically, on average, Americans check their cell phones 344 times per day. That's the average. Some do far less, some do far more. And I've seen this. When you talk to someone, and the whole time they're going, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm fine, thank you. Our cell phones are our constant companions nowadays. As many as 71% of us check our phones within 10 minutes of waking up. How many of us get on our knees and pray within 10 minutes when we wake up? How many of us get our scriptures out? Well, it's not so valuable. The phone's more valuable. And I'm being facetious. But get the Bible out and start reading that when we get up. 74% of us can't leave our cell phone at home without feeling uneasy. Nor can we imagine our little companions dying, our cell phones dying. 48% of people surveyed Americans say they feel a sense of panic or anxiety when their cell phone battery goes below 20%. Panic and anxiety sets in. And even while driving, 35% of Americans use or look at their cell phones, and I have seen this over and over again on I-40, and it's scary. Some of you, like Ricky and others, driving on I-40, I have seen this over and over again. Where I've seen someone driving erratically, and I pull up alongside of them because I want to get past them because I don't know what they're going to do. Are they going to swerve? Are they Are going to put their brake on? Suddenly stop, and there they are with their phone. And I'll never forget driving to North Carolina on the interstate that goes through uh, towards Charlotte, North Carolina, a number of years ago. And pulling up alongside of someone, we're going 70 miles an hour, and this gentleman had his feet up on the dashboard with no shoes, Had his phone here, and I don't know how he was steering that car. Thankfully, it was a straightaway, and I got away as quick as I could. Left him in the proverbial dust. How about this one? 43% of us are more wrapped up in our phones than our partner on a romantic date. Ouch. (laughs) Friends, I brought this to you not to make you feel bad or not pointing the finger at anyone. That's not my purpose at all. I brought these statistics here to show what American businesses think and what they're looking at. You have discretionary time, we all do. You have discretionary funds, we do. Thankfully, have those two things at work in us, in our lives. Speaking of phones. (laughs) 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 But we have those things in American business saying, how do we tap into this time and these funds? How do we get them? They're having success with gaming. They're having success with cell phones and with a whole host of other things. I think we have to do better than these statistics in our community. We must. It is, if, if, if we're at the point where we only spend nine minutes a day on spiritual things, we need repentance. We need a change of course. We need to get this right. If we don't, it's going to continually continually be biting at your heels and eventually consuming you. And with the Lord's help and our own willingness to change, and we have to be willing to change, our approach to life, our approach to time and finances can change things. We can go a different direction. We can break out of the web of control that so much of this speaks of. We can break out of that. And I want to conclude with just three simple points. My goal here today was not a theological treatise. It was just a snapshot of what's happening, presenting to you a snapshot. And as best as I could, I verified these statistics as best as I could. So three simple points I want to leave you. Point number one is this. Please don't be foolish. Begin investing discretionary time and discretionary funds into the kingdom of God. If you're not doing that, wake up. Wake up and start doing it. Time is short. Life is short. Wake up. Start doing it. And keep doing it as long as you have breath. Invest your time, your discretionary time and your discretionary funds into kingdom matters. You're a wise man or woman if you do that. In fact, the current Messianic Jewish revival that this congregation is a part of, this revival, it's a strong prophetic movement. And just think about 100 years ago, these kind of congregations basically did not exist. Perhaps a random one in the Ukraine or a random one in Chicago, but they didn't exist for all intents and purposes We're privileged to be part of this type of thing. We need to invest in it. Our time, our resource, invest in it. And think in terms of the future generation because the future generation is dealing with these statistics in real life. They're caught up in gaming. They're caught up in cell phones. They're caught up in electronics. They're caught up in the web. Good name for it, isn't it? The internet. They're caught up in these things. So let's be wise and let's get behind congregations like this. Those which God has birthed, which he's ordained, and there are many congregations, both Messianic and, and Christian congregations that are worthy of great investment from the people. I'm convinced, and maybe I'm wrong, you can figure this out, and you decide on yourself, but I'm convinced that when the proverbial role is called up yonder... We will not regret if we invested our discretionary time and our discretionary funds into spiritual things. We will not regret it. Yeshua encouraged some wise prophetic investment. Let me read this passage to you. Luke chapter 12, verse 16. Then Yeshua spoke a parable to them saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, notice where he's thinking. He thought within himself saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? Do you notice what's lacking? It doesn't say, and he went to the Lord and asked the Lord for guidance. That's not in this. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater and there I will store all my crops and my goods and I will say to my soul soul you have many goods laid up for many years take your ease eat drink and be merry actually quoted scripture eat drink and be merry totally out of context <laughs> And then there's this statement, two words, verse 20, Luke chapter 12. It says this, but God, God hadn't been mentioned up to this point. Some people live their lives as if God doesn't exist. They live their lives as if God doesn't know what they're doing with their time. They live their lives as if God doesn't know what they're doing with their discretionary funds. They live their lives as if God is not part of the equation. Or they give him nine minutes a day. But God said to him, fool, fool, here's time. Here's a time factor. This night, your soul will be required of you. This night, your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? And then Yeshua in verse 21 says, so is he who lays up treasure for himself, and notice this next phrase, will you repeat it with me, and is not rich toward God. Are you rich towards God with your discretionary time, your discretionary funds? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So point one, as I've already mentioned, point one is don't be foolish. Begin investing discretionary time and funds in kingdom things. Point number two, there's only three points. Point number two, let's do a better job at connecting with our community and its functions. If we have discretionary time, and we all do, by the way, let's do a better job connecting with spiritual things and spiritual community, connecting with our community and its in function. If necessary, we may need to change the flow of our very schedules so that we can connect, connect better with the community. I cannot tell you how many times in this sanctuary, in the third row, which is where I usually sit, I cannot tell you, and I don't say this in a weird way, I say this in a, a formal way, how many times the Lord has spoken to my heart right there. And I'm sure Christopher would say the same thing and Michael would say the same thing. When you put yourself in this place where you're using discretionary time to seek God, he said, you shall seek me and you shall find me when you search for me with all your heart. When you use discretionary time to seek God, you may be surprised what he'll do. He may give you the wisdom you need to face the situation you're facing. He may open to your thinking how to proceed in a matter that seems too beyond you. Or he may connect you with someone within the community that can be a great help to you. And by the way, you can be a great help to them. So let's do a better job at connecting with our community and its functions. That involves attending services regularly. And by the way, stop making excuses. They don't really hold water. (laughs) I mean, if you're ill, please stay home. But I can personally come up with I don't know how many excuses every Shabbat. Too tired, don't feel good, all that stuff they don't really hold water. Stop making excuses. Just do it. Attend services. Make this part of your discretionary time. Start building around that. Come to the prayer meetings. Come to the prayer meetings. It's, it's, it's absolutely critical to be part of community prayer. We have a good prayer meeting. I don't often get to attend because we have a conflicting elder meeting at the very same time. But come to the prayer meetings. You know, show up at the men's breakfast. If you're not using your discretionary time for that type of thing, what are you using it for? Show up at the men's breakfast. Come to the ladies' brunches. There are opportunities for you to extend your spiritual tent pegs. Connect with people that are going to be positive and helpful, that have some kind of the same mindset as you. Be a regular attendee at the Bible study. We have quite a few of those. Regular attendees at the Bible study. Other functions that we have. Join in the dance classes. I mean, we, what an opportunity to have dance classes that we do that. Spiritual dance classes. Based on believing songs and Israeli songs, Hebrew songs, join in the dance class. We have an excellent dance instructor. Join in the dance classes. Increase your understanding of Hebrew. Join in Hebrew classes. Because an understanding of Hebrew and Greek translates potentially to understanding the Bible better. So it becomes a spiritual investment. And you may have many opportunities to connect but you will find many reasons not to if you really want to. You can find all kinds of reasons not to. Many of them don't hold water before the Lord. Choose instead to connect rather than to stay disconnected. Choose to connect. Trust God and connect with other believers. And that's wise, a wise course of action in this very distracted generation. How I many agree that this generation is distracted? phones and gaming and everything else that's going on and scripture hardly at all and lastly point number three live daily with a renewed emphasis on spiritual disciplines live daily how does it sound when you say well i read my bible last week There's almost a little asterisk next to that that says, and that should tide me over for another few weeks. No. It's daily bread as we sang Cherry's song today. Give us this daily bread. It was manna that was given each day, a double portion on Erev Shabbat. Connect. Live daily with a renewed emphasis on spiritual disciplines, disciplines such as prayer. Do you pray? Do you pray? Do you regular fellowship or is it hit and miss for you? Eh, I might come today. I don't think I feel like it. I'm not going to come now. Or is it based on commitment and principle and connection and realizing you're an important part of a community? Prayer and fellowship and the word of God, devoting an average of nine minutes per day to spiritual disciplines, it's not going to cut it. Strengthen your prayer life. Strengthen your time of study and reading the word. Strengthen these things. Make sure God is your priority, not gaming, not your cell phone, not these other things. Let God be your priority. See if He won't bless you. You know this passage, Matthew 6 33. Seek. What is it? Seek first. What place do kingdom things have in our lives? Is it a first place? Or is it a place we decide we want to put it in our discretionary time? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then Yeshua promised in Matthew 6, 33. And then all these things, all that you really need in life shall be added to you, provided for you. And as you seek the Lord with a new effort and growing love for him, remember his promise. And I want to invite our worship team to come up. We're going to conclude with a song today, if you would please. But notice this passage in Romans chapter 8. If we think about discretionary time and discretionary funds, we have to think about our God who gave up everything for us. Yeshua took the form of, of humanity like us. And Romans chapter 8, verse 31 says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Messiah who died and furthermore is also risen who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us. In verse 35, Who shall separate us from the love of Messiah? Shall tribulation Or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Verse 37, please say it with me, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Messiah Yeshua our Lord. Friends, don't you think we should be drawn closer to the God who loves us and investing there?
0: You've been listening to the Shabbat message from Rosh Pina Messianic Jewish Congregation in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. We would love to have you visit us. Our weekly services begin at 10:40 a.m. each Shabbat, and we are located at 2600 Northwest 55th Place, north of Northwest Expressway at the corner of Northland Avenue and Northwest 55th Place. We meet each Shabbat for wonderful praise and worship with dance, liturgy, teaching, food, fellowship, Excellent children's programs And Bible studies on Tuesday nights For more information Please visit our website www.roshpinah.org That's R-O-S-H-P-I-N-A-H Dot O-R-G You can also reach us by phone At 405-842-1967 Or email us at Info at roshpinah.org Thank you for spending time In the Word with us today Shabbat Shalom And blessings in Messiah Yeshua